0: all right you're now tuned in to the follow-through with clips and drew the true players podcast episode 192 the clippers win and i do not have a heart attack the lakers lose drew is pissed trey young and the hawks look great and we're gonna break down the rest of the playoff series it's the follow-through with clips and drew kick that intro music What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow through with Clips and Drew, episode 192. We are recording this Monday morning. I had a very long evening, Drew. We have our coffee ready. Uh, I know the people are ready to hear this, but I have been in again emotional roller coaster all week. No sleep. Game seven was yesterday, and it was a long, long day. But the Clippers pulled it out. And it's funny, our boy Douchebag John said in our group chat today that if you, if you were in a coma and you woke up this morning and the only IG page you looked at was Clips and Drew and Clips page, you'd think the Clippers won the championship, right? Yeah. But I'm just happy, okay? I'm a happy guy. You guys got to understand, like, a weight is lifted off my shoulders. The boys did exactly what I wanted, what we wanted, what we hoped for. This series was absolutely crazy. And, I, Drew, I – I said this before or the series started that, like, if we ended up losing to Luca in the Mavs, it would have to be because we got beat by epic performance by by Luca, and we were at that point where I'm like, if we lose Game Seven, I'm gonna be upset, but I'm cool with it because like, the boys showed out, homie, like they really showed out. Before I get, to, we get my thoughts on the game. What was your thoughts on the game?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, so flashback to last week where we're looking at. Game five is, is the last pod that we did. It was right before game five. Little did we know that a home team was not going to win a game until game seven. Uh, first time in NBA history that that happened where it was three, three and all and both, everyone away. Unbelievable. So it away. So it is, it's amazing, you know, how this series ebbed and flowed, right? You know, game five was just a shocker because, Luca just looked, he looked like he was back to a hundred percent again. Right. So, and then game six comes back and Kawhi, you know, Kawhi was just perfect. He, he met Luca step for step. Uh, he, you know, I would say in game five, you guys probably lost because him and Paul George kept turning the ball over, but they were doing it, trying to be aggressive and attacking the rim. And then they would run out of options and they would just throw it up and I don't know how many times that happened to Kawhi, but he would get to a, a spot in the paint, and then two or three people would be around him, and he'd just throw it. And <laughs> Sometimes it was to nobody, but then yeah, the, the, you know, the, it, it is amazing the way that this series went. I did not think it was going to go seven. Um, I thought there was a chance that that Dallas was going to steal it in Game Six, um, but dude, to force a Game Seven and for Kawhi to answer like to answer the bell. Uh, against a guy like Luka, I, we, we were just talking before the show started. I'm, I would not be upset if people were saying that Luka Doncic is the best basketball player on the planet. Uh, you could very well make a case for that, and I wouldn't argue it. The guy is unbelievable. The only thing that I would say, we talked about it, I think a lot of people are going to continue to talk about his free throw shooting. Really terrible. That has to change.
0: You can and work then, on that though. You can work on that.
1: Absolutely. There's definitely room to grow for that. And then uh, fourth quarter fourth quarter decision-making from Luca is still not where it is for the, you know, typically for the, the other three quarters. Um, so those two things, I think Luca will definitely improve upon. Uh, and unfortunately for the Mavericks, Hardaway rolls his ankle kind of early in that game seven. He's not the same. He, he can't hit his shots the way that he does. And then for the Clippers, Morris, who was uh, like a zero in game six, huge in game seven. Reggie Jackson, unbelievable in game six, not so much in game seven, but in the fourth quarter, big, big three-point shots. So not only did Kawhi answer the bell, I think Paul George did pretty good as well. Uh, got a little tight butthole from Paul George at times. But this was, this was a great pullout victory for the Clippers, an organization that's been haunted by losses in these games in their history's franchise. In the franchise history, rather. And that's a huge win. And I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that you're stoked.
0: Yeah, you know, it was weird. You hit me up early yesterday and said, you know, are you concerned about the afternoon game? And, I'm, you know, I was already thinking that this is already going to be an excuse. Like, if we lose, people are going to say all oh, these damn afternoon games. But honestly, Drew, I woke up different yesterday. I really did. There was a sense of calm that I normally never had uh, with the Clippers, right? And the only reason I had the calm was because They were calm and Kawhi has been playing out of his mind and he's a champion. And I know that he wasn't going to let us down. And to say that Kawhi played like great during this series is an understatement. He was damn near perfect the whole series, right? This is why we wanted, this is why we got Kawhi Leonard for these situations. And I thought Paul George was great too. Like he may not, he may not have had, the best offensive numbers, right? He didn't shoot too well. He did hit big shots when we needed him in game seven. He did, but it's the other stuff that he did. He rebounded very well. He, you know, I think he averaged seven assists a game. Uh, Defense was very good. I think he like, you know, like usual, he was very aggressive. I don't think he got a lot of calls that he should have gotten, but that's neither here nor there, but he did everything we wanted. And then this whole mentality of next man up, that's what they live by. That's the mantra for the organization, um, we saw it with Terrence Mann yesterday, right? And, and Mook Twin or uh, Marcus Morris, yeah, he's had a rough time shooting, but back at home, he shoots very well. And he he got the looks that he wanted, right? And you also have to consider the fact that he was guarding Boban, which is extremely difficult to do. It it wears on you. And Marcus Morris is 6'8", homie. And guarding a 7'4", you know, giant like that, it wears on you. And it's difficult. So I give him props for taking that defensive burden, right? But yes, even the switch, like Ty realized that Kawhi and PG are getting double teamed, right? When you throw the ball out, we need guys that are not going to knock down shots. We finally see Luke Kennard in game six get... Early minutes, right? He looked a little nervous type butthole-ish. Um, should have taken some shots that – like you're in – I kept screaming at the TV. like shoot you're the ball. In, shoot the ball, bro. Shoot That's ball. why you're in. You're not in for, you know, defense, or you're not in for um, – to pass and assist and facilitate. You're there to make shots, right? And we've seen throughout the season Luke can get hot. And having Ty Lue notice that, like, yo, team man is the energy we need right now, Right? And there was foul trouble early. Anyways, next man up mentality. These guys all stepped up. Um, I do want to say, like you, like I have to give Luca and the Mavs props. I was not expecting the series to be like this, and I'm with you on the fact that, like, yo, this dude is that that guy. And to keep, I told my dad yesterday, like, yo, he's 22, right? And to think like he's this, he's that good and how he can keep defenders on his hip, how he can literally manipulate the offense and, and, and his step back, having Dirk there to teach you the most, like, it's like the hook shot, a step back, one footer fade away is a very difficult shot. And he's doing that from 30 feet, right?
1: Yeah. And and he's doing it with hands in his face nonstop. Right. These are not open looks. He's, he's. Yeah, he's going up against all different types of defensive schemes, and he's pulling, he's pulling whatever he wants. And it just – I mean, in the fourth quarter, it seems like sometimes he settles for those turnaround fadeaways. Uh, and this is something that has been – I'm pretty sure Simmons brought it up on one of the pods I listened to. The free throw thing, even though there's plenty of time for, for him to work on it, you can see, especially in game six and I think in the, in, in the fourth quarter of game seven – he was, he was going for the fadeaway instead of the pump fake, get you up and get to the line mm. because he was missing free throws. You know what I'm saying? So the confident Luca who steps to the line shooting 75 80% from the free throw line, uh, he definitely doesn't take as many turnaround fadeaways and try to bank him in off of crazy angles, which he can make. And all of the ones he missed were just like just barely missed. They would rattle in and out off of the backboard. Well, he
0: he'll, he's good for one airball game, though. You know, oh, certainly, yeah,
1: right. he'll do one. And It's usually a heat check air ball as right. well, which is I think is the funniest thing because right. he'll just he'll nail like three really tough shots in a row and then will come down have a relatively easy shot and it's like well that was the airball. <laughs>
0: right. Um,
1: but I do think the free throw thing is bigger than just missing free throws because I think it changed the way that he attacked in fourth quarters and that is something that he definitely needs to improve on like we said there's plenty of time for him to do that but it was noticeable to me
0: yeah and we threw everybody at him I mean Kawhi had the best you know played him the best when he could and again we didn't want Kawhi to use all of his energy on the defensive end and I honestly man I I think we played well I do we as good as we could defensively minus those first two games where we couldn't guard the three I mean look, man, Porzingis, they got to figure it out or they got to get rid of Porzingis. And unfortunately, at $31 million, obviously it came out today that that Porzingis is not happy. He's not treated or used as a co-star. He's more of like, you know, just another player next to Luca. And it's been well-documented that they have stirrups and they've had a little bit of beef here and there. Maybe it's a Euro thing. I don't know. But he's definitely not being utilized the way that he should be, right? Um, and Luca is so good. And he's so good at offense that like, I, I don't know, man, I just think that they got to figure it out. I don't know if they can trade Porzingis at $31 million and what is the right piece for Luca. I love the Finney Smith. I love Tim Hardaway. They, they showed they show that they can, I mean, Tim Hardaway can really shoot that thing, man. Like really shoot that thing. His stroke is so nice and pure. Um, I just don't know what, what Luca like, do they need Dame? Like would Dame be the guy? And you're like, no, probably not. Um, Porzingis could work though if they could figure out how to really utilize him, um, it could work. But I, I just I don't see how that's going to happen. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it seems like the, the situation it has to be resolved, right? They either need to have a conversation with Luca and Porzingis and Carlisle, and you know get Cuban and get everyone that is important to to the situation involved in in in, in a room. To go, let's figure out how we can we can make this work, um, and if that conversation can't be had, then let's figure out a way to move on from Porzingis. Uh, I, to me, I, I don't know why, but they don't involve him in a pick and roll directly with Luca, and that to me is is a catastrophe. And I, my guess is they probably don't do it because Porzingis is always gonna pop, but I don't I don't think that's going to be an issue. <laughs> I think Porzingis you know, he can roll. We saw him get a shit ton of dunks just off of cutting and backdoor action um, off of Luca's first pass that would go to,
0: to Boby down low.
1: Yeah. And so my point is, is like in this series, I thought Carlisle did a, a great job of just trying to fuck shit up for you guys. Meaning like throwing Boban in there and right. having the tallest lineup that the NBA's seen in like 10 years. Uh, and, you know, minimizing Jalen Brunson, like, Bring in Trey Burke, like he tried a lot of different shit to just mix it up and make it so that you guys weren't seeing the same looks defensively and offensively and going zone, I think at times caused problems for you. Um, and so I, you know, hats off to Carlisle for trying all these different things. But the one thing that I kept saying to myself is why is Porzingis not getting involved in these pick and rolls? And I think there's a way to, to succeed for them if they decide to keep KP and, and try and run it back again for next year. To me, I think he has to be involved more in that high screen pick and roll. And and maybe he doesn't set good enough screens and maybe, you know, he's not a, a, an efficient enough rim runner off of that. But look, what you want is you want Luka attacking. So it doesn't really matter who sets the screen. What it does mat- what it does do is it provides like the decision for the defense, right? So if, if KP is making the screen, the, de- the defense has to decide, okay, are we both sticking with Luka? Which is probably going to happen. And then you have a wide open KP from the top. That makes a lot of sense to me. It doesn't have to happen every time down the floor, but it, it should be happening a lot more than like zero times, which is what I remember seeing this entire series um, or the other option, obviously, is, is let's see what he's worth on the trade market. But he's got so much money owed to him. Um, I don't know who's out there raising their hand going, hey, we'll take Porzingis for
0: $30 million a year. Uh another guy, Trey Burke, right? Trey Burke was horrible in yesterday's game. And he was another one of these guys that was really good in the bubble. Like he played so well last season in the bubble. And he was just he was bad. He he was kind of like the Luke Kennard on Dallas. Like Carlisle threw him in a couple times, like later in the series, but it was just really bad. He's actually the the reason why we started getting our runs. We got our steals and he had a couple turnovers and whatnot. But um yeah, I was expecting a little more from him. I talked very highly about him in the bubble, and it just didn't seem to happen.
1: Well, he wasn't getting enough minutes to feel comfortable. Uh, you know, I you know we talked about the the Tibbs situation with bringing in Frankie Smokes. You know, cold and like what can you expect? I feel this kind of the same way about Trey. Like Trey, like you said, he was barely getting any minutes. I, I think he had a couple DNPs in this series, and then in Game Seven, you're like, "Hey, get out there, like <laughs> guard Kawhi, <laughs> go get make it there. happen." Yeah, and you're like, well, "All right, well." I mean, the guy—he is a microwave, so don't get me wrong. I mean, it right. could have definitely gone the other way. If he was hot, we know that he can—he can drop twenty, you know, really quick. So mm-hmm. it could have worked out the other way. But unfortunately for him, that's—that's that's one of the toughest situations. I think people may underestimate this, you know, fans that haven't played basketball. Uh, coming off the bench when you're not expected to, when you're expected, like when you watch a game and you're like, all right, I'm probably not going to play this week, you know, this night. And then the coach goes, Hey, get in there. And it's not, you know, the last minute of the game. It's, (laughs) it's the middle of the third quarter and it's a fucking five point game and you're, you're thrust into the action. That's, it is really hard to do that. Um, And so I I just think unfortunately for Trey and for the Mavericks, he was not ready for that moment.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Once again, I'm just going to say shout out to the Clippers. I'm so stoked. I'm so glad they won from top to bottom. You know, Pat Beverly got two DMPs the last two games, but he was there. He was literally next to Ty Lue the whole game coaching from the bench. And, you know, Pat Patterson didn't get any minutes either. And he was, you know, cheering us on. I just it was a great team effort, great coaching. um, And I expect that going into round two. So really quick. I mean, we're going to see Utah. And it's going to be a whole different dynamic. I mean, we're not going to be focusing like Donovan Mitchell is great, but he is not Luca. Right. I think the biggest, I think we're going to see Zubac a little more, uh, more, I think he's going to go back a lot more. He's going to go back to starting, which is going to be fine. I think he's going to start. You can't go small against Utah. Um, But I think this is going to be a more balanced like team effort. Like we're not going to be so focused on Luca. And I think this is going to be a great series for Paul George Again, Joe Ingles and him have beef, so hopefully we can resolve that beef, too. Uh, And I think this is going to be a good series. I don't necessarily think it's going to go seven, but this is a very winnable series for us. I think we can beat these guys. Um, And that's not just coming from a Clipper fan. I'm not scared of Utah, although they were number one for most of the season um, in the NBA. So uh, what are your thoughts going into round two? What do the Clippers have to do? And what do you think uh, the outcome is going to be? Yeah, this is this is
1: about as uh, night and day of a series, like moving from one series to the next, right? Where you have to worry and focus on one guy for Dallas uh, and in Luca, and then you move to this Jazz team where you can't just focus; you have to focus on everybody. It, it is such a team effort uh, from from the Jazz. It'll be a completely different look. Um, so I hope the you know I hope I hope Tyron Lue and and the coaching staff for the Clippers uh, really starts to pick apart the way that uh, the Jazz move the ball because I do think. That's the, the most impressive thing about the way the Jazz play is how fast the ball moves on the offensive end. Uh, we've talked about, you know, referring to this team, not only us, but a lot of people in the, in the media have referred to this team kind of like a Spurs, you know, 2.0 kind of a thing. Uh, and I think that's a it's a great call. Um, I, I do think Jazz, the Jazz are going to be a tough out, and especially if they're hitting their three point shot. Uh, As a team, if if they're hitting, you know, consistently 35, 40 percent from three, they are very difficult to beat. So it is going to be I think it's going to be another really tough defensive challenge for the Clippers. But offensively, you guys should be able to handle things, even though they're a great defensive team. uh, Attacking Gobert and, 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 and not being afraid to challenge him at the rim and get him into foul trouble for Kawhi and Paul George is going to be big. You can't go in there soft and try and do little layups and fadeaways, you have to attack his body and go into him. And yes, he may block your shot, but they may also call a foul. And I think every foul against Gobert leans the series in your favor. Uh, it's very difficult for me to call a winner. Um, I do think the Clippers are a more talented team. I think they because of Kawhi, we just saw Kawhi stupidly locked in to to refer to Jimmy Butler. That's, that's who's stupidly locked in, not Jimmy's Kawhi. Right. And so when that guy has that kind of mentality, uh, I think he's going to be the best player on the floor in this series. And I think that will be huge for the Clippers. Uh, so I will take the Clippers and maybe it's great that you guys don't have home court advantage in this one since you, you playing so well away. So maybe you can sneak, maybe you can sneak one of these first two games out of Utah <laughs> while you're in Utah to start. Uh, but'm I'm, I'm excited for this series. I, I, this is a great test for both teams. Um, and for Utah, this is a great way to, to kind of put your stamp on on something here this year and say, you know what this this isn't just a regular season team. This isn't just you know some team that people can forget about. oh, they're good in the regular season, but when it comes down to, to playoffs, they they're you know they're just a, a man short. Uh, so this will be a great series for them if they can pull out a win against the Clippers, that'll be huge for their confidence. Uh, but I do think the Clippers will win. I, I'm, I'm going to call it in six or seven at least. I think it's going to go a long time.
0: I, I, you know what? I think it might be seven games now that I'm thinking about it. It's a quick turnaround for the Clippers. We get one day of rest and then we got a game tomorrow. Utah's had, you know, five, four or five days um, to, to prep. It's going to be another long one. And I want to to see the Clippers get one in Utah. One. I think
1: the only thing that I do want to talk about and something I'm, I, I want to look forward to for this series is is the fourth quarter offense for the Clippers. It's still stagnant at times. Uh, I think the zone that the the Mavericks were uh, playing forced you to move the ball than you typically would against a man, which is what you're going to experience a lot of a lot of man matchups for Utah. Um, And then like that, you know, those those last minute decision making things like game six, when you guys had that uh, the the ball, Paul George had the ball coming down the court uh, with I don't know how many seconds left not calling a timeout, um, you know, that, I, maybe that was game five. I, I, it's hard for me to remember. I think it was game five now that I'm thinking about it. Um, it's it just those, those decision-making uh, pieces in fourth quarters, and then obviously our offensive scheme uh, in, the, in the last minutes of the fourth quarter I think will be very important for the Clippers, and I'm hopeful that they can have, you know, a little bit more movement and play calling Uh, In those times, as opposed to just here, here's the ball, Kawhi. And now everybody get out of his way, which works. That still works, but (laughs) it would be nice to have the ball move around a little bit.
0: You know, moving to the other end of the locker room in Staples, uh, we got to touch on on what happened to the Lakers. Uh, I'm going to say this from a Clipper fan standpoint, once the Lakers lost, it kind of that's another weight that was off our shoulders, because, you know, again, it's, it's embedded in our blood that you know, if the Lakers lost and the Clippers lost, at least that was fine. Like I'd be, well, the Lakers lost too, you know? So um, there was a lot of issues, Drew. I mean, we were both expecting after that last regular season game, the Lakers played against um, Phoenix and the dominance that Anthony Davis had. Um, Obviously you didn't have Anthony. Anthony tried to go in game six, uh, which I don't, and you know, a lot of fans were upset that the coaching staff even let AD play, but, you know, it was his choice to play. He tried, gave it his best. Um, but losing in the first round is tough for the Lakers and the organization and for the fans. What was your take on that series in general? Cause we were both completely wrong about it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, my take on, on the Lakers handling business against the, the, the Suns was revolving around us being healthy. Um, and that just wasn't the case. Um, You on the last spot, I I had no faith in the Lakers beating the Suns in game five without Anthony Davis. And I would have loved to see a little bit more effort in game five from the Lakers, LeBron, especially as well. I mean, you know, he scored 25 points in game five, I believe, but none of it were were points that mattered. (laughs) It was all after the game. I mean, we did, I think my closing statement on game five was, I hope we don't lose by 30 and we lost by exactly 30. So, not only that, but when you lose game five in a, in a situation like that, going into it, knowing that we didn't have Anthony Davis in that game, the amount of confidence that gave the Suns going into game six, I think was overlooked by p- potentially like the, the Lakers staff and saying, okay, we may go in and lose this. But losing in that manner, I think that was the death knell for the, for the team, even though Anthony Davis playing or not, like you saw how quickly – in game six, the Suns were just at our necks. They went up like 30 points. It was like 29 points in the first quarter. And I, I just, I, I truly believe that was carryover from what they what they experienced in game five. And, and,
0: and they're like, oh, we got this. We have this team. There was no um, doubt in my mind that they wanted it more the whole series. And I think your role players were really bad, man. The shooting was really bad. I think LeBron was getting frustrated with how bad everybody was shooting. And we, we, we see LeBron throw these little tantrums and I am the biggest LeBron James fan, but there was a couple just moments, you know, I told you like the, even after game three, when, when Drummond was doing all that dancing on the sidelines and stuff. And I'm like, yo, this is not, this is not like Kobe would hate that. Kobe would definitely hate seeing shit like that. LeBron leaving the floor early, you know, it just looked like they didn't care. In my opinion, um, I thought that they were outplayed at almost every. Cameron Payne was, you know, the, I know you don't like him too much, but and Bridges, they, these guys were really good. And Booker, like we see with Luca, like we're seeing with Trey, these guys aren't scared, and these guys are turning into superstars. Um, and then the the, the conversation after losing game six and they asked LeBron about the Olympics and he was just all smiles talking about, well, I'm going to play the Monstars," you know, already plugging, just plugging the movie already. I don't know. It pissed me off. It rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm not even a Laker fan. So um, obviously you weren't going to win anything without Anthony Davis, but this is a cause for concern, Drew. We've talked about this. Like this guy is extremely fragile and you know, LeBron's not getting any younger. Right. So we're going to go into his 19th season next year. And it's going to be tough. You have $77 million committed, almost $80 million committed to AD and LeBron. Um, Schroeder, who was good in the regular season, really didn't do much in the playoffs for you. Um, he turned down the $84 million extension because he, he wants to get a hundred. He says he wants to be a Laker, but then magic comes out and fucking magic again, comes out with comments saying, well, this guy's not a true Laker. And it's like, okay, well I, then if I'm shrewder, I don't want to play for a team that doesn't think I'm a true Laker. You know who else isn't a true Laker? Then Kuzma's not a true Laker and Wes Matthews isn't a true Laker. Like, come on, man. So moving forward, let's talk about the future for the Lakers and what this really means with the bottom line. Cause the West is just getting better and better and better
1: having LeBron and Anthony Davis healthy. I don't care who's around them. If those two guys are healthy, we're going to have a shot. And I think that's where I, I my security lies. Um, and, and all of my hopes. I mean, that's, that's it. Right, we saw, we saw how poorly we looked without Anthony Davis on the floor. And, but that's, that's, I'm okay with that because he, with LeBron and Anthony Davis, we saw it last year. They are good enough to take us to a championship and win it. We needed people to step up. We, I think we we really missed Rondo. Um, if I'm being honest, like, you know, I don't I don't know why we felt it was great for him to walk uh, for only nine million dollars. I think we definitely could have done more to try and keep him, uh, and I think he could have been big for us in this series, but. You said it, man. We were not going to win this series with Anthony Davis, and and I've never, I don't, I don't think I could have been more clear about that. I had no, there was no way in my mind that I thought we were going to win this series if Anthony Davis wasn't going to be on the floor. Um, so I, you you talked about a lot of things there. So I just I have to say something about LeBron, uh, him checking himself out of games in the in the way that he did, and the body language, all of those things are not the leadership that we expect from, from an individual like that, someone who considers himself to be the greatest player ever. He's in this specific instance, he needs to help lift the team, not like accuse the team of being X or Y, like not trying. And then the other thing is, man, you know, that, that coincided with him, like walking back on defense a lot, like full on five on four LeBron's still at at, the free throw line on the other side of the court, that type of shit. Laker fans will not tolerate. It doesn't matter who you are, how good you are. We have had the luxury of, of seeing Kobe try every second of every game that he's been out there. And the one thing that I think resonated with me and with a lot of Laker fans seeing Devin Booker do what he did to the Lakers in Staples center felt like what we expected LeBron to come out and do because it did feel like we're watching Kobe, but oh, the guys, the guy's on the Suns. He's actually not playing for the Lakers. It felt like Kobe was in the game, but it was Booker and it wasn't LeBron James. It wasn't somebody on the Lakers. So I do think that will stick out in the minds of a lot of Lakers fans, um, especially if we're not going to be able to uh, add a lot of pieces. Um, so when it comes to next season, uh, if, if things get down in the dumps a little bit, if we go down in a series and LeBron starts pulling this shit, I guarantee Lakers fans were going to remember this and say this is like, what is this? Where, where where is this greatness? Where is your you know your leadership in these moments? And he lacked that it, it I think across the board. As soon as AD went down, it's like LeBron was like, well, we might as well pack it in. And that's what it felt like to me, instead of trying to compete, even though we got we fought back in that game six and only lost by 13. That is something that I think will will stay with our, our Lakers fans until he can show us that he's not gonna do that. Uh, you know, next time around and hopefully we can make a deep run, but all of this is about health. If LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy, I'm okay. Moving forward. I still feel that way. Even though the rest of the teams in the West are getting better. We're seeing everybody around us get, you know, have deeper teams, stronger benches than we have, but I still think in this league, you know, having those two stars is enough to get the job done. Um, and I, I I wholeheartedly believe that. So LeBron, you know, this is the stuff that that people really hate him for, uh, is losing and then being nonchalant about it uh, or making excuses. Uh, and so I, uh, this is very expected uh, from me after this loss. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure he might even talk at length about how banged up his ankle was, you know, in, in the coming days and weeks. Uh, obviously, he's focused on the Space Jam movie, which, you know, it is what it is. Anthony Davis is in it, I guess. Um, so at least there's a team aspect to it a little bit, <laughs> but uh, the Schroeder piece to me, yes. uh, he was terrible at, at times. He was just flat out. I mean, the O for nine in Game Five, it, it, it's a record. Like that's like he didn't make a single point. Drew, <laughs> he he's played. nine.
0: He was nine for thirty six for the series just to give it context. So continue.
1: Yeah, man, and, and that just can't happen, dude. I mean, especially if you want a hundred million dollar contract from the Lakers. Uh, or any team. I don't know who's going to be like, yeah, let's, let's get that guy. Um, And not only that, his body language. So I do think if Magic Johnson is to be taken seriously, which I I very rarely do these days, um, he, he saw what we all saw. Schroeder's body language was almost just as bad as LeBron's at times. And there was a complete disconnect at times. Schroeder was kind of just like, I don't know. Walking around out there, it didn't feel like he was connected or part of the part of the team. So I'm fine to see him go, dude. He's. I mean, okay, look. So you
0: don't pay Schroeder. So you don't want Schroeder as your look, bro. These. This is what you're going to have to address. You're going to have to address Schroeder, Trez, and Gasol, right? Trez and Kuz. and Kuz, right? Who did nothing for you yet again? He was. Um, he was terrible. He was they scared. Were, they were. Kuzma was one scared. Good player, name one good player in the series for the Lakers. Seriously, one one good one.
1: Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, that, there was LeBron and Anthony Davis. And then okay. after that, you, what, THT had, had had some good moments for us in game six. Um, I, I think I, I also think Caruso was still hampering a foot injury. So I don't that's why he didn't play as much. And I think his presence was missed for us. Uh, Drummond was was not great. Uh, Gasol had zero points, even though we started him. He had zero points in game six. Uh, we can't figure out the Trez thing. Uh, I don't and, and I honestly, you know, people can say all they want about you know Vogel's decision to sit him or not it Trez was not fitting in this group we found out over the course of the season it just wasn't working I think same Um,
0: thing that happened with the Clippers the year before though I mean but he had a lot of
1: success with with that second unit in your team and Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't happening for us Uh, so we never figured out a way to make Trez effective so even if he played Mm -hmm. it was like man you know, it's not the same level of, of Montrez Harrell that we would expect. So I don't really put that on Vogel necessarily, uh, other than we probably should have built our second unit more around Trez, but then we're limited in these matchups where he can't, you know, he, he, he's too small for Aiden and he's not quick enough to guard there when they go small and hang out with, with Crowder out there. Crowder's going to go right by him. Um, so I do think we need to toy and tinker with this roster. Something that I, I you know, going back a year ago, I was ready to just run it back with the squad that we had last year. And we made a lot of moves. We let go of Dwight Howard. We let go of JaVale. Uh, Rondo was gone. And these moves I thought were going to be positive because you look on paper, you go, Hey, this is, we're a better team. And I believe if we had a whole season of all these pieces being connected, Anthony Davis playing all year, LeBron playing all year, I think we probably could have figured out a, a nice eight, nine man rotation. But because of all the constant injuries and this guy's in the lineup, no, now he's out and now we have to continue to change and, and move. I just think we, we didn't really have that continuity um, outside of like the, for the 25 games or whatever that both AD and LeBron missed, which is not the continuity that you want right. with both of your stars out of lineup. So yes, I think there's definitely,
0: we have to make moves. We so have you, to make moves. Do you bring back Drummond? Do you bring back Trez? That's well, what the, I'm saying. And again, if you, if, if say Schroeder, this is say Schroeder gets uh, the 85 say, he's not going to get the, the hundred, but he gets the four year 85. Then you're at, you know, the cap's going to be 115 million. You're over a hundred million for, for three players. Right. And then you have to find these pieces in the NBA, these different pieces that are going to fit, obviously like the, maybe if you had a whole season with Drummond, it's going to work, but Drummond's going to command some money. He's not going to get that 30 million. And Trez might be commanding some money because he might thrive in a different, you know, in a different situation. You know, if Trez would be great in Atlanta. Right. And we're going to talk about Atlanta here in a minute. But I just you know, what what do you want to do? Like, what is the what are you going to do? You need a point guard. And there's, you know, Lonzo's going to be up. Right. And that'd be funny bringing Lonzo back. Wouldn't you rather have Lonzo at 20 million a year than Schroeder at 20 million a year? Well, so I, I
1: think Schroeder is still a better player than Lonzo Ball. He, they're, a, they're completely different players, uh, but I do think Schroeder still a better player. I, I would not be opposed to having Schroeder back on the team, but he has to get connected. He has to feel a part of the team. That's the disconnect for me. And for him, it, it just doesn't seem like he's happy with what was happening this year. And I don't think he should expect much more. We gave you know we gave him the ball that he starts a lot. Like I understand that he thinks he could probably shoot more, but when LeBron and Anthony Davis are playing on the on the floor together, you're you're firmly the third option, and you need to be okay with that. So if he's not going to be okay with that, then let's not overpay him to be a disgruntled third option. Let's let him go, and let's find. I mean, dude, a Kyle Lowry, we can throw him uh, you know a couple a couple years, not nothing crazy in the money, but hey, come play with LeBron and AD and, and win another ring, maybe that's an option for us. But the last thing, I, 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 even more than Schroeder, I don't want to get tied to Drummond in a massive contract. And it seems like we're going to get tied to one or both of these guys for big dollars. And I don't. that makes no sense to me. Um, I honestly, the more that I think about this year, the more I wish we would have just kept Dwight Howard last year. Uh, that's all I keep thinking about. Rondo and Dwight Howard would have right. changed uh, would have changed some things for this roster. Um, and, you know, letting them go was a decision that we made and we we struck out. But all of this is to say this is a conversation we're not having if Anthony Davis is healthy, because the series doesn't go this way. If Anthony Davis is healthy Now, Suns fans can get mad at me for saying that. But the bottom line is you, you probably weren't going to beat us in this series. It would have been tight. I, I'm not going to say we're going to blow it out but you're probably not going to beat us in this series if live LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy. And that's the bottom line. So it, again, I just keep going back to the fact that if those two guys are on our team, we know they're going to be on our team. I would love to get a shooter. That would be the only thing that I would love to shooter. have one guy been asking for fucking all every year that we've had LeBron. Can we get, where's, where's Doug McDerty? Give me Dougie McDirty. Give me somebody who can knock down a fucking three pointer. Right. And, Do you say,
0: okay. So you see how valuable that is though. So like, Looking at Duncan back, Robinson, Duncan Robinson's creator, let's throw
1: some money at Duncan Robinson.
0: Okay, so you know, people made fun of the Luke Kennard thing, the 64 mil, and the same thing with Marcus Morris, the 64 mil. Both these guys are knockdown shooters, they are shooters, right? Morris had a huge year this year. I think we got him cheap. I, I know Simmons said that the worst money we've ever thrown at anybody, but Marcus was great this year, and Luke did have his moments this year. But knocking down shots is worth 10 million dollars a year, that's just what it is. And, it, you know, you've tried a lot of different people in that, in that situation. And it's just, it's just not working for whatever reason. So, yes, I love your Duncan Robinson take. That would be great.
1: Yes. That's all. I mean, look, LeBron, LeBron loves a guy who he's confident in, in the corner. When he attacks, he can go bang, there it is. And it's going to go like Kyle Korver. Fucking J.R. Smith was able to do that for him for years. Ray Allen, like it, he just, it, it, it's the, it's a, it's like a, a comfort blanket. Um, for for LeBron to just go, okay, I'm going to attack the rim. But if I get stuck, I know I can find this guy and he'll he'll be open and he will knock it down. We have had zero confidence in anybody being able to do that for this team outside of KCP in the finals. Honestly, that was like the one guy. And then Rondo just knocking threes down for us. Again, I go back to Rondo all the time. But um, I I think the best way for me to put this is, is we can you can there's a lot to dissect there's a lot that went wrong for this lakers team but the biggest piece is something that we can't account for something that you can't blame other than the fact that it's injuries and that's actually the biggest story for me even even talking about this entire playoffs anthony davis out with injury injuries have changed series throughout this entire playoffs and have for the last really like four or five years if you think about it going back uh but right now ad going out luca luca being injured definitely changed that series I mean, that, that game four, he was like a no, it was not the same player at all. So that series is completely different. I think if he if he's healthy, um, Chris Paul being injured, Harden now going out with a hamstring issue. I know we're going to talk about that series, uh, but, you know, the, the, the list of injuries and how injuries affect playoffs and finals appearances is long. And there's only so much that an organization can do to prevent shit like that. Sometimes it's just going to go that way. But I mean, outside of honestly, 2020 was maybe the last season, you know, this last season, not a whole lot of injuries happened in that, in that uh, playoff series that I can remember that were that stick out in my mind. But outside of that year, 2019, Kevin Durant and Clay both injured in the finals. Going back to 2018, I think Kyrie Irving missed, you know, the, the whole finals. Uh, and so it, it is something that is. It sucks. It's it's a part of the game that sucks. And I wish we could do away with injuries because we always want to see the best versions of the teams out there. But when it comes down to simple X's and O's, if you don't have one of your best players, you're not going to do much. And that's just what it is.
0: So to wrap this up, I have a player that I think you guys should go for and pay, okay. even though coming off injury. Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie. Spencer. Yes. Love it. I think he would be a great fit. He's, I mean, he's torn both of his ACLs um coming off he's, and he's expensive for us
1: uh he's still I think he has one one more year maybe two more years. No, he's I'm, up
0: he's up he's a re- are you sure yeah I just it's yeah it's a guy you guys should look into if you could get to him I
1: we that he would be great I think he would be great for us I also th- this is just going to be a whirlwind of rumors for the Lakers this is the other thing
0: okay Damian Lillard. we're going to train for Damian Lillard. we're going to trade yo the same day you guys lost th- th- those rumors came out that same day, Laker and fans, it's like, come, come on, now. game like, is
1: not, we're, we're, we're gonna we're, who are we gonna give up for Damian Lillard? Get the fuck out of here! We're we gonna had, give up LeBron? I mean, no, you, give up you, would, have you yeah. would have to, you would have to, yeah, man. Like this and we're is not what people
0: that. people don't understand that these players cost money too. Like you just, he's gonna get fifty million dollars, bro. 50 million and you can't just throw him on a team. You would literally they wouldn't even take that trade. Oh, we'll give you THT, Kuzma, Caruso. That's not enough. Dame is gonna command superstar players for you know, you're gonna need to give up a Jason Tatum. You're gonna need to give up somebody, you know? And there is a rumor I heard this morning that the 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 Celtics are going to be making a play for Damian uh this summer. And they do have some I know, I know, I'm just good luck. Just, I, I mean, know he,
1: what what, what? No, it's not going to happen. It's not. Damien Lillard is not going to be traded unless unless he changes his mind and goes, okay, now I would like to be Mm -hmm. traded.
0: I agree. And I think
1: then then they will. But I I don't see that happening anytime soon. And they just fired Terry Stotts. And you've got to imagine that they're like, hey, Dame, who do you want? Like, because that's what it is like. Not a GM, not the owner. Damien, who do you want to be the coach? and then let's try and make that happen. So I just don't see that happen, but all these rumors are going to definitely they're going to be flying left and right about the Lakers all all off season. So we'll see what actually manifests out of it.
0: All right, let's move on to the East side, man. I think we've underrated Trey Young. I think we've underrated the Hawks. Uh, speaking of injuries, again, like Embiid's coming off an injury and he has a torn meniscus, but he's out there playing. And I think that's the dumbest decision. The, if we're going to get on the Lakers for letting AD play with a pulled groin, what are we? What does that mean for a torn meniscus for a big man, right? Um, Atlanta pulled it out yesterday after almost blowing it, literally blowing it. That those last three minutes, Drew, were shocking to me. I like, don't understand. I and don't I'm already, understand. I'm, I'm already pissed off because I'm like, if this fucking game goes to overtime, and I'm, I'm already thinking about the Clipper game. I just wanted it to end, and it wouldn't end, right? Yeah. But we're seeing that. Look, man, they built a really good roster around around um, Trey Young, and something that really impresses me with trey this is yet another player we're seeing blossom in front of our eyes is his use of the the teardrop floater right which is such a huge huge asset to have in your bag if you're a smaller point guard now we all know his three is really nice but he's been using this teardrop a lot and he's he's very consistent with it drew it was just something that was really impressive to me but the play of john collins bogey is like is crazy right now um they have a really good squad, and they, they're, they're not scared at all of Philly. Um, what's your take on that? We don't got to spend too much time on it. But I think Atlanta can win this series, man.
1: I, I, I'm amazed that Joel Embiid was on the floor. Not only was he on the floor, I mean, he got, the guy got 39 points. He dominated. <laughs> that is just mind-blowing to me. Um, and that, that guy, he's, he's proving how tough he is, because uh, that can't be easy to play on. Uh, I mean, yes, I know that they can shoot him up with some painkillers, and he won't feel it until the next morning or whatever. But I got to tell you something, man, that was a pretty unbelievable performance for a guy that we all know has a torn meniscus. Um, And for those people that have experienced that injury, we also know that you can walk around on it. And it doesn't necessarily like it's not going to you know you don't need to be in a cast if you have that happen and you can play through it and then you also can remove it or repair it in the off season, whatever they want to do. It's an easy
0: fix. It's a very easy fix. Yeah. As far
1: as knee injury goes, it's probably the best one to have
0: if you're going to have a knee injury. But what it does lead to, like it led to me was me continuing playing on my torn meniscus, which led to me tearing my ACL. Now you tear your ACL. He cannot have another one of these knee injuries drew, you know, and there comes a point where it's like, man, do we, do we really risk next season you know, for this right now, I am just, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm concerned because he's had such a great year and I know he wants, every NBA player wants to be on the court. We get that, but I think there, this is, this could end very badly for them.
1: If he's going to continue to play like this, uh, he's going to be a handful for this Hawks team, you know, this entire series. And if he's, if he's on the court, Philly has a chance to win every single game. And I honestly think they'll, they're going to do better than they did in this first game.
0: They were getting Didn't blown it? out, Drew. They were getting blown Absolutely. out. Absolutely. I
1: expect them to, to change that. I expect the energy level to be up higher for game two. Uh, I expect <laughs> – I expect uh, Doc to try somebody other than Danny Green on <laughs> Trey.
0: He didn't um, adjust once. Did you tray. see how pissed off Embiid was too? <laughs> With him, unbelievable. Uh,
1: you got to think. You got to think. All right, Danny, good try. Like we pat you on the head. Like you, you tried your best. You were oh for four from three. There you go. There's the Danny Green we all know <laughs> That's and love. Your boy. Uh, You got to get you got to get five on him and Simmons. It's just got to be those two guys. And and then you got to hope that everyone else behind them defensively can can, you know, put in their efforts. Tobias Harris has to has to be better at, at closing out those three point shots. Uh, I think they all need to be better team rebounding. That was something that was pretty shocking to me.
0: Capella's Uh, been great. Capella's been great for Atlanta. Yeah.
1: And beat only had nine rebounds. Right. And so like, we know he's hampered. He's not going to jump as high with his knee injury. So let's team, we need some team rebounding. I mean, Simmons, I think had 10 boards and he led them in rebounds, but everybody else needs to pitch in there, but you can see it. Atlanta, their offense is fucking clicking. It is happening. I mean, John Collins, three for four from three, and, and I think all three of them were huge three-point shots that he took, uh, but Bogdanovich is still playing his ass off. They started Solomon Hill for some reason, right. and he, did, had right. he had a great game. He uh, had a great game. I mean, Danilo's coming off the bench, no DeAndre Hunter in that game, so I think Atlanta still has a lot in this series. And, you know, before game one, I was definitely leaning Atlanta because I didn't think I didn't think Embiid was going to be on the court, right? So Embiid not on the court, Atlanta should win the series. Embiid on the court, I thought Philadelphia was going to win that first game based on how well he was moving, honestly. Yeah, there was definitely, you could see Embiid was not the same. He was a little slower. Uh, I would say he's a little bit more measured uh, where he's running and cutting and things like that. But um, overall, I I think Philly should win the series. Like they definitely should win it if Embiid's going to be like this. And then it's on everybody else to step up. I mean, you got 39 points. You need everybody else on your team to be playing at a great level. I think um, I think Simmons had some really good moments in transition, but I think it's the defensive end. They have to figure out something different ways. And I think you know, the coaching staff's good there, but we know Doc is not the most adjustable coach. Uh, but they have to figure some defensive schemes out to to get the ball out of Trey Young's hand and stop him from being the ultimate playmaker. Because as soon as he hits the free throw line, he's very good at going, OK, floater, no lob, no kick out. No, OK, maybe I drive. He, all those things go through his head in, in, a, in a split second when he gets to that free throw line after he gets past that first ball on ball defender. And he's very good at making the right decision in that moment, I think. Uh, but you can see Atlanta still isn't all the way there based on that fourth quarter, right? So they're still in their un- uncharted territory for themselves. And I think they're going to continue to have those moments of, uh, you know, uncertainty, especially in tight, in tight moments in the series. And I think Sixers need to be able to take advantage of that, but this is, I think this is going to be a fun series and I would not be surprised if Atlanta goes on to the conference finals here, uh, which, which would be shocking I think to most people.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, Denver and Phoenix starts today. I think this is the series to watch. This is going to be extremely fun. Look, man, like Denver just has so much length, right? When you have Gordon and and MPJ who's playing really well, and Jokic is obviously the best, going to be the best player on the court. But you know, I think Chris Paul can have a really good series uh, at the point guard position. I mean, he's going to be going against Faku, right? So I think Chris wins that battle. Uh, they're going to be able to throw length at Booker, right? If you have MPJ and and Gordon there for you, and I think you know Jokic is going to be a handful for Ayton. So I think this is going to go, I think this series is going to go seven. And I think Denver's going to win this series. You, oh, you're calling Denver? I think Denver is. I just think, I think they have more to throw at Booker. And I, I could be completely wrong. And I'd be fine if I am wrong. I'm not invested in this series at all. Um, but, you know, there's, a, the Suns are coming in with a lot of confidence, knocking out the Lakers. And Booker especially is going in with a, with a fuck you mentality. Like I'm, I'm the best player on the court and I like that. Denver can honestly shoot themselves out of a game too, which would be you know, is something to look for. But yeah, I think Denver can win this series just based on the fact that they have Jokic.
1: So going back to like what I said about Kawhi in the in the Utah series, he's going to be the best player on the floor, I think, for that series. I think Jokic will be the best player on the floor in this series. Uh, but Booker has a chance. But it is it's it, I mean, just thinking about it in that context, it's eerily similar. To how the Portland-Denver series went, where it was like Jokic and Lillard, and let's see what can happen. And Jokic was able to edge them out, even though his supporting cast uh, is not what we expected it to be. Is not you know the level of competition that we normally see with Jamal Murray being out of the lineup and Will Barton still not in a jersey. Um, it, so I just I do think this, it, this has a potential to be a very similar series to the way that the Nuggets handled Portland. Even even the center thing, like where, where Portland has Nurkic and that's it. The Suns have Aiden and that's it. They got Kaminsky and they got uh, they got you know Jalen Smith, who I don't I haven't seen him no. play on the court. <laughs> right. And they got Kaminsky. And so I I you know if Michael Porter Jr. is gonna deliver the same performance that he did in this round as in round one, Denver has every chance to win this series. It's hard for me to pick against Jokic, right? Because of what because of what just happened and how how dominant he is and how unbothered he is by defensive schemes coming at him and how calm he is when they send doubles. And then the, the confidence that Austin Rivers has. I mean, like, Austin Rivers has the, you know, the, the most confident. We talked about Zlatan Ibrahimovic on one of the last episodes. Austin Rivers is maybe, you know, in the top 10 of irrational confidence guys that feels like he can be out there and playing with anybody. If Michael Jordan's playing in one-on-one, he's like, I think, you know, I think I, it's like, yo, I think I, I, I could take him. It's the way that I feel about playing Austin rivers three years ago. It was a very similar experience that I had internally confident. Um, but the, uh, if, if the supporting cast for Denver is going to put in the effort that they did on defense continually and the, the level of shot making that they made, I mean, Marcus Howard coming in making shots for them is going to be huge. Uh, it, to me, it, it is going to be about what Booker can do for, if the sons are going to win, Booker has to, has to replicate similar, similarly, what Damian Lillard did. And then everyone else is going to have to step up as well. Mikhail Bridges has to make shots. Cam Johnson's going to have to come in and make shots. Campaign's going to have to continue to, you know, do his ridiculous, uh, you know, off the, off the bench scoring. Uh, and then Chris Paul, uh, you know. He can't be injured in this series. I don't think if he if he runs into another shoulder problem, if someone accidentally elbows him in the shoulder uh, and he's hampered again, that will be a big loss for this Suns team here.
0: Oh, Faco's um, going to piss him off. Is going to really piss him off, like on they- purpose. Yeah. I
1: think Faco might throw the bow into the shoulder in the first place somehow. Might. I think he, you know, he's going to do shit like that. Right. Um, but I, I do, I love. I, I think the series is going to be a lot of fun to watch because I think they're they're pretty evenly matched teams when I'm looking at Denver and, and, and Phoenix, not one of them stands out like automatically, oh, this should be the winner. I think it is a really going to be a tight series if everyone stays healthy for both teams.
0: Uh, you know, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, we're not too sure about where Harden's at. It's growing, right? With Harden? Hamstring. Hamstring, right? So he tried to play in game one and got pulled up lame. We're, he's not playing tonight in game two. Um, I still think, Brooklyn can win this series. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know. I don't think they can win a title without Harden. I'm not too sure how hamstrings are a bitch, man, and they they're hard to you know, rehab from. It's not an easy fix with a hamstring. This can be a nam- a, a a nagging injury that can last, you know, a few weeks. Um, but I wasn't too impressed with the Bucks in game 1. I you know, Kyrie was great. Um, I still think they can win this. I think Milwaukee can win this series if there is no Harden for the remainder of the series. But if Harden is able to come back and play, I think Brooklyn's going to take this.
1: If Blake Griffin is going to play the way that he did in game one, this entire series uh, and moving forward, the Nets are going to win a championship, Harden or not. If Blake Griffin's delivering that level of performance every night for this team, the Nets are going to win a championship. I don't care if
0: Harden plays another second. Dang, that's a bold statement. That's and real. if Harden,
1: and I'll take it another step. If Harden is back at some point in the series and back to playing normal by the time the conference finals rolls around, I think it's a lock. Uh, I don't think anyone's Whoa. going. I don't think anyone's going to beat this Brooklyn team. And I think sometimes it's it's you know when something's staring you in the face. I think sometimes it's easy to look past it. Uh, we've been dancing around. Oh, can the Suns or can the Nets? You know, be the team that wins it this year? I'm looking around at every team outside of maybe the Clippers and go. The Nets are going to take care of everybody. If Middleton is going to shoot god awful in this series, oh for five, baby, right. oh for five from three, and he's going to have thirteen points, the Nets could could sweep the Bucks.
0: That was his first bad game, though, Drew. I, you know, he's. I don't, expect, to, it, I right. don't expect
1: him to continue to shoot like that. Me either, I, not at all. But if that's going to happen, mm-hmm. this is going to be a quick series. I, I don't expect that. I, I do think uh, defensively, the Bucks have a lot left in their tank, and they and they okay. Nets got first one. And it, you know only, they only lost by eight, but really it, was, it felt like a twenty point win for for the Nets. Um, and then having Harden go out in in that you know first minute of the game, and then for the Nets to be like fuck it, like we're just it's fine, like we're 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 just gonna keep going. Kevin Durant is is a monster. Kyrie Irving is insane when he's in when he's finishing those shots in the in the paint and doing his fadeaways and just crossing people over. I, I will tell you this, man, it is fun to watch him play in Brooklyn because you get all the oos and ahs. Yeah. Every time he crosses somebody, it's just like, Oh, the whole crowd. And so that's fun. But uh, I really don't want this to be a four game series. I want to see the bucks play to their potential. Um, and it is, it's pretty crazy to me that in the first minute we end up with a matchup where the bucks and the nets, had that great series about you know three or four weeks ago, whenever that was, that was James Harden was out of that one and the Bucks won both. First that was the one,
0: back-to-back series, right? Right,
1: right. Bucs won the first one in overtime, I believe, and then won the second one relatively more convincingly. So as soon as Harden went out, I'm like, okay, cool, the Bucks should be like, all right, maybe we, we, we should be able to do this. We, we mm-hmm. should have this, right? It's a, instead of a big three versus a big three, it's a big three versus a big two, but then Blake elevates to, to be included in, in the big three and a half, um, I'll say it again. If, if Blake is going to continue to play at this level, the Nets are not going to lose. Uh, and I, I, I think if he's going to put in 18 points and play balls to the wall defense, taking charges, rebounding the ball,
0: diving, do
1: all the right. all the effort shit that we haven't seen out of Blake and, since he went to Detroit, um, they are a very scary team. And if James Harden's back in any capacity, I, I think it's a lock, man. I think they're going to be our champions.
0: I agree. Um, I don't actually, no, I don't agree. I agree with what you're saying, but I don't agree that, that they're locked to win a title. <laughs> yeah, I think well, we... <laughs>
1: it's easy for me to say that because the Lakers are out of it. If the Lakers were in it, I'd be like, you know what? I don't know. Maybe the Nets, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they have some deficiencies. But Everybody... the truth of the matter is their defense still, it, it, despite Blake's performance, the Nets defense is still very much in question. And mm. at any point in time, they could mm. give up 20 points at the drop of a hat. So the
0: Bucks will always have a shot in this series. I agree. Um, any final thoughts, Drew? Because I have a Top Shot rare pack drop happening in ten minutes. Oh my I, goodness! Yeah, it's a it's a big one today. So I really got to get in the queue uh, to be getting this pack today. But any final thoughts? Do you have anything you got to say?
1: Yeah, I, it's just the injury thing, man. I, I are we back on injuries again, Drew? I, it's just it it just sucks, man. And I, I'm not saying this just as a Lakers fan. I'm just looking around the league. I hate when series are decided by injury. And so I would love to see that not be the case moving forward in this playoffs. I'd love to see Harden back. I, you know, playing on the floor. I'd love to see Embiid who has a torn fucking meniscus. So that's not going (laughs) to change, but you know what I'm saying? Like, let's make, like let's make sure Jokic doesn't fucking roll his ankle and and comes out or Booker and CP, you know, I just want to
0: see
1: Paul George. I want to see all the stars just play if we can have you know the rest of this playoffs go the way that it should with barring injury that's what I want it it would just be so much better for everyone involved and and all the fans if we could get all the stars on the court and if if not then so be it but you know that's that's all I'm hoping for man let's just stay healthy out there
0: you know who I want on the floor for once is Serge Ibaka okay although you are the greatest uh, bench dresser of all time he was wearing a Michael Jackson like rhinestone cowboy jacket yesterday I just his fashion his fashion shit
1: is crazy bro
0: it's, it's well it's a lifestyle that's what he calls it it's a lifestyle so I get it but can you play bro can that can you just get he is a game changer for us like we He'll need be him. huge
1: if you yeah against Gobert he he, yeah. he he will need to play
0: yeah we're forgetting about Serge Ibaka like we could have really had needed- DeMar- well, you got to pick and choose when you play DeMarcus, right? Well, at least you have him because right. if Serge is
1: injured, at least you got some other
0: seven-footer to throw out there. And Pat Patterson, around. too, but this is Clips going back to the Clippers. So I understand nobody wants to hear any more about the Clippers. We're going to drop another episode at some point this week uh, after we see a couple of these game ones. You know, leave us a review if you can. We're looking for some reviews. Screenshot when you're listening to the show. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of days. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. We're Ghosts. You know what it is, you know what it is, you know where you're at. This is the
1: follow-through with
0: clips and true. What up, podcast? What up, what up, podcast? Well you know what it is, you know where you're at. This is the